Today's episode is brought to you by BuilderFunnel, providing marketing services for the modern builder. Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about moving from carpenter to owner with the help of special guest, Brad Soller of Oxland Builders in Stratum, New Hampshire. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host, Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hi, everyone. Tim Fowler here. Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show. So... Keep those ideas coming in about what you'd like to hear on the show because this is an episode that came from one of our listeners. Uh, He wrote me a note and said, uh, hey, I'm growing. I'm pretty small right now, but I really want to know about how to get from that place where I'm the business owner doing all the work in the field to being the business owner and uh, not being in the field anymore. So, Uh, That's why we're doing this. Uh, We're going to do another one in a couple of months, but uh, it'll be fun to hear uh, about that. So my experience in this is basically that there's a lot of different stages that companies uh, go through. And if you can ever get a hold of each stage, the company can uh, really grow. A lot of people, though, they stop at some of those stages and sometimes it's okay because they just want to stay small. My older brother is one of those people. He works on his, uh, by himself, doesn't have a crew. He's done very, very well. And that's the way he likes it. And then there are others that, you know, just resign the fact that, Hey, I just don't have the energy to keep going. Right. And I think, That's one of those things. It really takes energy to push past uh, some of these things. And then I think there are some folks out there, like maybe our listener that actually wrote the question in, that just don't even know what the next step is. What what is it going to take to get me from A to B? And so, like I said, we're going to do this podcast today. We've got another one coming up, I believe, in a couple of months with uh, somebody from the West Coast. Our guest today is actually uh, from the East Coast. That might not make any difference, but just different areas of the country. And so we're gonna talk about some of those hurdles. We're gonna talk about, you know, what it takes to take the next step. And so Steve, let's go ahead and get started. Yeah, this is a great topic. I'm excited, Tim. Brad Soller started Oxland Builders in 2003 with a partner intent on building high-end spec homes. After completing and selling two homes, the downturn in the, in the economy forced them to reconsider their business model. Brad kept Oxland Builders moving forward into the remodeling market, now as a sole proprietor. As the remodeling work picked up, Brad found himself being pulled away from the field more and more often. The time had come for him to take off his tool belt and focus on growing the business. Since two, tw- 2016, Brad has been mostly out of the field, focusing on sales, estimating, and marketing. The company has grown to a field staff of seven with an operations manager, a designer, and himself in the office. 
transitioning out of the field brought many challenges and opportunities. Welcome to the show, Brad. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate being on. Okay, so like we always do, just give us a little rundown on the company. I know there's a little bit in the introduction, but maybe give us a little bit more about where you're located, what's it, what's the community like, and then I'd really like to know, like, projected volume now. Where, where are you now as a company with what you're trying to achieve? Right. So um, we're located in Stratham, New Hampshire, which is on the seacoast of New Hampshire. We have a very small 16-mile section of seacoast in New Hampshire. Um, we, you know, primarily work right in that region. Um, you know, right now, like I said, we had seven field carpenters and then the three of us in the office. Um, projected volume for this year is down from last year, I think, as most people may or may not be. I mean, um, right. should be right in around 1.5 million. Um, I think had COVID not hit, um, probably would have been in that in that 2 million range, probably would have been the first year we broke, broke that 2 million threshold. Um, but business has definitely picked way back up. And um, yeah, we're going real strong right now. So that's good. So your intro mentioned that you were you and the partner were doing new homes, or that was the intention back in '03. I'm assuming you've switched a little bit where you're doing remodeling now as well. Um, what what made that shift occur? Well, I mean the 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 shift. Well, for me, I always came out of the remodeling industry. Okay. That's where I learned this. What I did. That's what I learned. And then that opportunity arose for me to build those houses. Um, it was just sort of the natural transition for me. You know, downturn hit. New house sales, especially in that high end market, went away. So we moved back up here um, and started. You know, right into the remodel. It just our first project after we sold our last house was our big remodeling jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. So how did you personally get into remodeling? What, what was the journey that you, you had? Everybody, it's always fascinating yeah. to me how people got, I mean, my story is kind of interesting. How did you get into this from however you grew up? Well, it's, it's actually... I mean, it's, 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 it's really how I got into construction as a whole. Um, we own a really old house. Um, <laughs> I actually, I own it now. Back then, my family owned it. And I'll never forget the time that they had to lift that house up and replace a sill. And I mean, I was just a kid then, maybe, I don't know, 13 years old. Right. And it blown away that, you know, you can actually do that. Like, you can lift the house up a little bit. You can replace a giant section of rotted sill and put it back and put the whole thing back together. Um, you know, and then that just led to the trade school towards the end of high school, um, you know, construction management school through college, and then uh, just my first job with a remodeling company. Um, so, yeah. Oh, that's cool. All right. So, let's talk about this journey because yeah. I, it, it, it just kind of, the, the main reason we're here, that's what we want to talk about. Um, so, when did you determine, or maybe it was just organic, but how did you determine that you actually wanted everything to grow? And then, of course, add staff to your, to your team. Well, so, I, I mean, I never really set out thinking, this is what I want. I want 20 people working for <laughs> me, and I want to do this volume at this margin. I, I never, that's not how, it was, like you said, it was very organic. Um, you know, we started doing remodeling projects, and like most contractors, word of mouth started picking up and the phone started ringing more and more. Um, and it was really just a capacity thing is, is sort of, you know, 
you know, we weren't marketing. Marketing wasn't even something I even thought about back then, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, it was very organic. And it, it, like I said, it just was a capacity issue. I just couldn't do all of the work in the field with just one carpenter. Back then I had one carpenter working with me and, you know, receive all the phone calls, do all the estimates, do all the billing, the, you know, the invoicing and all that stuff. So, so you, so it wasn't a conscious thing, but when, when, when that consciousness hit you, right. what, what did you think? What was your like immediate first thought? Was it, Hey, we're going to have to cut back or was it, what was it? What was that first thought when you, it finally dawned on you that you couldn't do it all? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I think it was, I think my first thought was I'm going to need to hire more people. Right. Okay. I mean, I, I'm, and by that, I meant, I mean, carpenters, right? right. Um, I, you know, again, I was at my capacity. It was, I had a new family. So I was recently married and um, had a new child, the daughter who's coming up on 13 now. Um, <laughs> so I knew I, I wanted to be a very big part of, of their lives. And, and now that is three children. Um, so, and yeah, so it was sort of a combination of that. Plus I just knew, I, I knew that, I didn't want my body to be broken. I didn't want to be find myself at 60 years old, having to hump shingles, which for some people that's, that works, you know, and that's how it works for them. But for me, I knew that wasn't going to work. So. Yeah. Okay. So what was the biggest hurdle for you when you had this revelation, if you will, and you get like, okay, uh, we're going to make some shifts here. What's been the biggest hurdle for you in terms of making this shift from owner to, or carpenter, excuse me, to right. owner? Um, well, I think from a production side of things, it's definitely getting everything out of my head and um, onto a piece of paper and then communicated to somebody else who's going to build the project. Um, that was always, because, you know, it, like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't like one day I came in and was like, that's it, I'm not going into work anymore. Right. Um, it was, you know, so it, as I was transitioning out of the field, it was easy for me to go to a job site, have a conversation, um, explain a few details. But eventually when it finally came to me not going to work every day, that was definitely a hurdle. Making sure that not just necessarily what had to be done, like how do I want it done? You know, um, how did I sell it to the homeowner? How was the homeowner expecting it to be done? So before I ask the next question, I just want to know, is it working? <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a constant improvement, which is great. You know, so we, um, constantly recognize areas that are not working, right. um, try and fix those, fix those problems. We've made, um, leaps and bounds in that, uh, that arena since, um, you know, I've been out of the field. So, so what was the, um, what was the transition in the knowledge? Cause I, I experienced that in talking with a lot of companies that getting the information from sales design, to production is always a real challenge. And then I often illustrate it with the fact that when a business owner is sales design estimating, they've got all this information in their head that makes perfect sense to them. And, but it, but getting it to the field. So how did that, how did that transition occur? And what are some of the lessons you learned along the way with that? Maybe some of the, the big picture things that you, you, came to realize, I guess. Um, so I think the biggest lesson definitely is you can never have too much detail, right? So um, I started building job binders, right? That would have um, as, as many specifications and details as I possibly could in, in them, you know? 
So how did you actually go about doing this binder? Was it, uh, was it a physical binder? And then yeah. how did you make sure that what you had sold the client actually became what you shared with the, uh, the, the carpenter in the field? Well, so in, in our, you know, I would obviously create a, a contract that was a pretty detailed contract, right? Okay. Um, and then those notes would, would make it into the binder for the, and as well as the budget. So I would do the contract and the budget language would all be in the binder, you know, specifications for, for any sort of um, fixtures that were going into the project specifications and finishes that we were using were all into the binder. Um, but yeah, back then it was a physical binder it, and yeah. it still is a physical binder as much as we are transitioning into cloud-based softwares and things like that. So. Right. So is there any one thing that you went like, oh man, I got to, you know, we we're doing pretty well, but this was a major thing that we forgot. Anything uh, like that? Well, it, you know, so for me, so recently, so having a designer in the office is new to us, right? And having that in the detail that can go now goes into the plans is, is, is been a, that's been a light bulb going off, you know? All right, cool. So you, now you mentioned the budget, yep. right? And uh, so what did it take for you as a business owner to actually start sharing the budget with some guy <laughs> and I've kind of yeah. put it negatively there, but you know, cause I've always, I've used the illustration a number of times that effectively when you, um, when you hire somebody and you put them on the job site, like as a lead carpenter, they're effectively spending your money. I mean, that, that's yeah. your money and they start spending it. Like, how did you get to the point where you could trust them to give them that budget? Cause that's a big hurdle for people. It is. Um, and, and I've always been a very trusting person, right? So it, maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. I'm, I'm not entirely sure yet, but um, I've always been very trusting and I, I was also involved, right? So it's not like I would just sit in the office all day long and then they would be out in the field. I was checking in pretty frequently on the job, even though I wasn't putting a tool belt on and swinging a hammer. Um, you know, you know we're, we, we still have a workforce shortage and I still do the same thing. I'm still checking in on job sites. Um, but, and that always gives an opportunity for training. That always gives an opportunity for, you know, QC, making sure things are going the way that they are. But I can't stress enough, the more detail, the better the detail um, and, and the better that that's communicated uh, to the field staff, you know, so having like now we have once a week, we have a, a production meeting where we, we just sort of review anything that came up in the previous week and then, and then review what's coming up in the upcoming week. So, and then in preparation for that, in preparation for that, we do a meeting prior to that. You know what I mean? so, okay. <laughs> so do you actually go like, go over the budget with your, guys or gals on the job site when you when you say you go out there to monitor you monitor what's going on do you actually review that budget with them and kind of talk about where it stands and how much is left and that sort of stuff yeah we do yep so we you know we track hours um daily for that matter um and um yeah every week we review those numbers we review we we do a we do a pre-construction meeting you know where we review everything even we even review everything before we sell it. And then once it's sold, we review everything before we start the project. And then, uh, yeah, every week we review too. Do you actually bring, I'm assuming you have lead, do you have lead carpenters or do you use, do you have lead carpenters? Yeah, lead carpenters, yeah. Do you actually bring them in to review everything before you sell it? 
Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. yeah we try. Companies don't do that. Pardon yeah. me? We try to. <laughs> okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. But that's the, that's the, the way you want it to function. hundred percent. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So, um, so was it easy for you to hand this off to somebody else? What did, I mean, you already mentioned you're a pretty trusting person. So maybe that was relatively easy for you. I mean, I think, I think at the point where I was getting, I think when I was getting to the point where I was, I was going to be out of the field, I was really having to trust those people. Um, I, I had at the same time basically come to the realization that I wanted, you know, I did number kid number two was basically here, <laughs> you know, like I wanted to be a part of that. I didn't want to be working until, you know, eight o'clock and I'm already up at 4am anyway. So, you know, when I'm working until six o'clock at night, seven o'clock at night, that's a really long day, you know, yeah. and then I wanted to be part of my kids after school programs and sports and Cub Scouts or what have you. So um, I knew I had to do that, you know, so it wasn't really like I didn't have an option. I never choice for myself. Calling all remodelers. Are you tired of wasting money hiring bad SEO companies or redesigning your website every two to three years thinking that that's the answer to your online lead generation problem? Hey, I'm Spencer Powell, founder of Builder Funnel Academy. In the academy, we teach you the marketing strategies that have generated over $100 million in sales for our clients. The doors are now open, but they are closing soon. Go to builderfunnelacademy.com join to learn more and get signed up. Enrollment is limited to 250 seats. So head over to builderfunnelacademy.com join. See you inside the academy. Okay, great. So we talked a little bit about, you know, trusting with the money. Another big hurdle that people have is the customer service thing because nobody treats your clients the way you do, right? And so how did you, again, if you've got Lee Carpenter on the job site, they represent you. And so how did you get to the point or how did you get to where you really felt comfortable that, Let's, let's call him Tim, really was representing you to the client or was treating them in a way that they're going to come back to you for future work? You know, I mean, I think, I think it just comes down to who you hire and how you hire and, and, and how do you train them, you know? So you can't necessarily hire a brand new lead carpenter and say, hey, I need you to go present this, you know, $8,000 change order to the customer, <laughs> you know? So that doesn't necessarily work. But um, I think through training, eventually you can get there, you know, uh, you know, communication training, how you talk to people. It is an interesting dynamic because you're so involved from a sales side of things with the um, project and with the homeowner, and then you eventually hand it off, um, which, you know, that's why we've started bringing in the leads as early as we can and, and even going as far as introducing them to the um, homeowner as early as we possibly can so that when the day comes for that sort of that final handover uh, handoff um, there's a little familiarity there and, and, and uh, they're comfortable with them. So, but I think it's the people you hire and, and how are they trained? Yeah. So just picking up on that, you know, you mentioned, you know, training and communications training and that sort of thing. Did you do anything like, I don't know, uh, maybe, very deliberate about that or was that sort of just on the job 
you know, as they experienced you, they got to see how you did it. Was Or was there something that you specifically did, particularly around the soft skills? I mean, the 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 hard skills are, you know, how to cut a board. You can see very quickly if they know how to do that stuff. But what those soft skills seem to be things that are often missed by business owners uh, when they're passing information off or passing jobs off to somebody else. So did you do something specifically deliberate? And what was that? Well, I certainly wish I could sit here and say, <laughs> it's them, and I will email you my training program as soon as we get off of this call. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's, I myself am still training myself and learning and reading books on that stuff. Um, and I just think anytime I have an opportunity to, to, you know, I don't know, discuss how something went, how did the communication go with it? I take that opportunity, you know, um, and talk through it. Cause like I said, I mean, I'm still sort of, I still constantly do it myself, you know? Um, I think it's, you know, as the, you know, the leads kind of move through the company, um, they have that opportunity to maybe see how I interact or somebody else in the company would interact or the homeowner. So it's, that's even a little more organic, you know? Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that one of the key things that's made it work for you is continued involvement with the people that you're handing jobs off to. Unlike a company, like I know, Steve and I know some companies that are $40 million and there's very little interaction between the owner and the carpenters, right? So can you give us a, a like a weekly rundown of how often you interact with a lead carpenter, for example, and let's just pretend like you've got a job coming up. So they're going to, they may not have a job every week, but you're going to interact with them previous to the start of the job. So just give us some kind of rundown on how often you interact with your lead carpenters. So, you know, like I said before, we have our weekly production meeting, right? So set, set that aside. We have, I see all of them every Monday morning. Okay. Um, you know, if, if we say we had a job starting, you know, I'm going to see them a week, if not two weeks prior to the start, we're going to have a sit down and we're going to review the whole entire project. Okay. Um, ideally, they would have already been to the job site, you know, and, and maybe even met the homeowner, but we, you know, we've probably already done a walkthrough. When we do, when our subcontractors walk through, sometimes we'll have the guys come to those too. Yeah. Um, so, and then that's, for me, that's kind of it. I mean, like they'll do the designer and, and the operations manager will go out to the job site for that first day um, um, and, and meet the homeowner and, and, and do the, you know, determine where dust protection is going to happen and all stuff, but I'm, I'm pretty much out of it. So I am now I'm focusing on purposely making sure that I'm finding opportunities to like, whether it's pop into a job site, uh, pick up the phone and have a quick conversation, you know, this past Friday morning, I had a guy come in and we just had a conversation. Now, how are things going? One of our newer carpenters, you know, just, I, I realize how important it is to, to do that and stay, stay in touch with everybody, you know, especially as a company grows, you know, and, and if, you know, to those $40 million companies, I'm assuming when you grow to that stage, there's somebody who took that role over, you know, yes. and make sure that somebody's keeping a pulse on the, on the field staff and how are things going out there. So. Yeah. So do you, do you make it to every job every week and have some interaction that way with your leads? Um, I try to, um, you know, I'm actually managing a project myself right now. So <laughs> I'm not swinging a hammer, but I am managing a, a, a big new build, a new custom home right now. Um, but so, you know, realizing that I will make it a point to, to, to pick the phone up, have a conversation. Uh, but like I said, I mean, we, I see him every Monday morning. Right. Um, and, and yeah, 
Okay, cool. So one of the other things that I know happens when a business owner and it, you know, for me, I experienced it as a very small business owner, not too many years ago, in that when I was pricing a job, I would always think about like, how long would it take me? And how much money would it cost for me to do that job? And then it strikes me that as you've moved out of the field, now you have to think about what's it going to cost for me to pay them. And I'd like to make some money too. Sure. So how did that transition go for you? When did you understand that right from day one, that this was going to be a different pricing structure or did it take you a little bit of time to adjust to the, to those things? So I'm, I'm shocked, Tim, that you have not <laughs> dropped your bit of knowledge that you say on all of these things and that the older you get, the faster things have always used to take. Um, yeah, that was a, um, that sort of hit me like a ton of bricks, you know? So I was learning not only, yes, they're not going to do it as fast as I, as I do it. You know, um, right. some guys can do things faster than I can do them. You know, they they have a different set of, they have skills in different areas, Yeah. but to the, to the financial side of things. Um, yeah, that, that hit me. I, I had to learn a lot, you know, fast, you know, and, and there was a, you know, there was a couple, um, nary classes, not necessarily classes, sort of like the continuing ed for the builder's license that, um, I sat through that, yeah, it took me, it took me six months to really wrap my head around. That's really how a business runs and what you got to charge <laughs> and markup and margin and all that stuff, you know? So, um, yeah, that all, that all hit me right around the same time. So. Yeah. So Brad, I have experience in this, you know, transitioning out of the field and it always seems like you're one person away as you're starting to begin to transition and it's easy to get pulled back in. But if we're, uh, we have any listeners out there that are in that stage that you mentioned of, you know, having a child and starting to get out of the field. Um, we talked about quality control, customer service, some of the pricing, but is there one thing that you look back and you said, I would maybe do that differently, or it'd be better if I had checked this box before moving out, just, you know, as they're making this step. I, I think um, the one thing that I've learned the most, or, like to, to answer your question, would be hiring, learning how to hire better, how to um, screen um, potential hires better. Um, and, 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 you know, and you hear a lot from, um, you know, about planning and, and you know, three-year planning and five-year planning and, and what does that look like? Um, I, I, that stuff is so important, you know? Yeah. Um, and just on a follow-up to that, when you did – uh, make that transition. What was the timetable? Was it six months that you kind of removed yourself? Did you have a helper underneath you that would take over? How yes, did that I work? Had, yeah, I always had, um, you know, one carpenter and then, and then two carpenters led to two. So I, I, I sort of hung in that like two or three carpenters and then myself. Um, but then eventually, you know, that was really when it hit that I needed to pull out of the pull out of the field. Um, and then that's when I hired my first administrator, but that was probably over like a three year period. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start wrapping this up a little bit. This has been really exciting for me. Uh, I, I appreciate your honesty and just kind of giving us what really happened for you. So there's two basic ways that we do production in this world. One is the lead carpenter system 
and the other is project managers, mostly with all trade contractors. Sometimes they have carpenters that work for them. How did you decide as you were moving into this uh, area to use lead carpenters versus project manager type model? Um, you know, so the company that I had a brief experience working with um, just before I went out on my own used the lead carpenter system. Actually, both companies I did. Um, yep. So um, I had familiarity with that. Um, and then, you know, now that I use it, I just realized how um, it's um, quality controls a lot easier and, um, you know, managing our work schedule. But I will say that it, the bigger the jobs get, the, the harder the lead carpenter system. And there just becomes a threshold where it's just, you just can't do it. Like this house that we're building, we're not framing this house. We're not doing really anything on this house. So it's, yeah. it's full, full project management. So, yeah, that's a, that's a, a, a good wisdom to have because you're right. You're dead, dead on that quite. And not only, size but the type of project will often dictate that and i've seen a lot of companies that do lead carpenter for these type projects and then they have a project manager if they do a lot of new homes for example they'll have a project manager or a lot of big you know remodels they'll have a project manager that handles the big stuff and then the leads take you know the in-house remodel kind of thing so good good insights there well, Brad, this has been so nice to, to chat with you and to get your insights. And I hope our listener uh, that wrote into us appreciates uh, some of the wisdom that you've been able to uh, share with us. And uh, we wish you all the success in the future, man. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate what you're doing for the industry. Thank you. Yeah. Great job. Thank you. Thank you. Tim, this is... Uh... I think one of the most important topics that we could face for the smaller companies, I have experience of being a smaller company, you know, <laughs> the one, two, three carpenter company, and really trying to make that transition into, I guess, lack of a better word, but, but a real business of running a, a business, being outside of it, looking from above. And this is, this was, uh, I struggled with this, you know, getting, <laughs> getting out and not wanting to just jump in and do some of the work. So um, I think Brad really hit on a number of great points today. Yeah, I think, you know, there, there's so many of the things that I, I don't know, harp on all the time, things like good information, just the need to get the information out of his head and get it to somebody else. And so the details and his comment about you can never have enough details is probably a, a real thing that business owners need to think about. And it's just hard. It's hard to make sure you get everything transferred over uh, to somebody else. Obviously, there were some real learning curves for him, this idea of the, the budget uh, and making sure that you put enough money in there, markup and margin. Mm. I've been encouraging companies that are small to, to go ahead and mark up for the next phase. And so if you think your next hire is a lead carpenter, you should now be charging for a lead carpenter and your time. Because then when the time comes to actually do it, there's money there to make it happen. Same thing would be true for an office manager. Sometime down the road, you're gonna need an office manager. Start marking up 
so that you can afford an office manager when the time comes. So those are real learning curves, I think, for a lot of business owners that are just getting into really being a business. Yeah, and I think Brad uh, just gave a number of examples on on why it worked for him. And um, I think people get it in their mind to expand, to get out of the field, and they may do it too fast. They haven't put the training in of the customer service piece. They haven't put the training in of the, uh, you know, the technical skills, the quality control, and so and and developing these job binders. So when you do that, you know that's why people always say you grow too fast. You're growing too fast. You don't have the foundation, the framework there. And um, you know when when Brad said it was a transition of three years, I mean he he checked the boxes and made yeah. sure it was done correctly. So it was really really fantastic info. I think another thing to pay attention to was he he went and got some education. So he mentioned the Nary uh, classes near him. There's all kinds of places. Obviously, Steve, you and I are part of Remodeler's Advantage, which really helps people put some of these strategic plans into place. Uh, There's NHB, uh, like we said, Nary. There's all kinds of places to get this training. And so go do that. Don't wait. Don't wait until you go like, oh, my goodness, I'm not making any money. You know, get the education and the training because most of us are not trained in business. Yeah. We're trained in construction. And so you need that business training to get past some of these humps. Yeah. And it's very singular business training that you need in remodeling. So, um, well, I also want to thank the listener who wrote in on this because this was not a topic we planned. This is this came from the audience. So I want to thank Brad Seller for joining us today. And I always want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Tim Fowler show. And remember at the Tim Fowler show, we're working really hard to eliminate that nasty phrase. (laughs) It is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of the Tim Fowler show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.